Hello there listener, hope you're an Android developer. Welcome to The Context, episode 19. This time we would like to talk about MVI, or Model View Intent, with our special guest Benoit. Welcome Benoit. Hey, thank you for having me. Nice to have you. And Artem also joins us from Minsk. Hi Artem. Uh, Artem, oh sorry I messed it up again. It doesn't uh, matter, we're just okay. irreplaceable, you know, just, oh, I guess <laughs> replaceable instead. So. Uh, all right. So welcome, Artem. Artem? Artem? Oh, whatever. <laughs> just, just some guy. <laughs> just hey. Some random guy. Hey, Artem. Hey, how are you doing? All right. So lately we have discussed about MVI in, in a private chat. So, and we thought that it would be useful to record our thoughts too. And we would like to also hear some third-party opinion. And therefore, I think Benoit is a great addition since he also is very deep into this topic and also gave some talks about it. I think at DroidCon New York, right? And also DroidCon Japan somewhere? Yeah, that's called DroidKaigi. Ah, right, yeah. And I also did the, you know, the sample for the blueprints. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, true. You also contributed there. Cool. We will, we will add links into the show notes. Um, that's actually a funny story. So you're a Frenchman, right? I am. But you have worked in Japan and now you're working for Square in uh, Canada, Kitchener, right? That's right, yes. So what's the story behind this? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was in France till 23. Then I got the chance to live in Japan. So I just took it. I stayed there for maybe 10 years. I was doing mostly backends and um, web applications, but like three years ago, I had, like my team was switching to full Android and I just gave it everything I had. And then um, last year at DroidCon New York, I met with some, um, you know, Square employees and we had a good feeling there was a position here in uh, Kitchener. And then I just moved to Canada like two months ago now. Wow, nice. But that seems like a big shift, at least what I've heard that cultural in Japan is quite different from what it is in Canada. How is it? Yeah, it's really different. Like Japan is really um, follow the rules really strictly. And here is more like everyone works um, at his own pace and just focus on the result kind of thing. And also the language as well, like because I was not working in an English environment, so I was I am not actually used to speak English, so it's still uh, you know ongoing ongoing process for me. So you speak Japan too? Japanese, yes. Uh, Japanese, right? Wow, nice. All right, then let's dive into MVI. So from your point of view, what is MVI? Just to give us a brief introduction for listeners who haven't heard of this pattern before. Without going too much into details, just a brief overview, what is it about? Yes, because it, I think it depends on everyone, you know, about the details, how to model everything. But so what's important to me is to create one flow and one unique flow for the data to flow in. So basically there is one entry point for the input of the users. It goes in one stream inside the app where there is the business logic or the necessary side effects and at the end just one output that would get rendered to the user. And I think that's the core of it, make it reactive and unidirectional. 
Okay, that's a great explanation. Uh, and I just wanted to clarify the difference between the application architecture and the presentation logic architecture. Would you call it a presentation architecture? So I don't know what this is about, really. Maybe the application architecture would be how you model like all the views together. And so to me, MVI is more about how do you model one screen. So basically, it's a set of screen with its uh, presenter and in one set that would be an MVI architecture thing. But for the application, it might be different. Well, I was talking mostly about the, this kind of difference in, in approach, uh, I guess mostly in naming and in terms, because more and more I just hear from people, okay, our, our application was modeled using MVI, but actually it's just a way to describe your presentation logic, right? So you have besides of that, like repositories and services and all of that, and more like, I don't know, higher level components maybe, that just interact with mm -hmm. the data. And uh, from my standpoint, MVI, MVVM, and all of that is just a presentation architecture, so I just wanted to clarify that a bit. Uh, and uh, let's just dive in a bit into history, if you don't mind. Uh, I think MVI uh, came from the web world, actually, right? So from I, I heard some things about Cycle.js, but never use it. Do you have any experience with that? So before going Android, I was doing some JavaScript and I like I know about Cycle.js, but never used it. And as you said, it's uh, Andre, the, the guy who made um, Cycle.js that came up with the, the name. But it's basically, I think, something that's been here for, you know, many t a long time and he just put a name on it. and. Like, I think it, like it code because it was easily explained in a simple way that was easy for me, at least, to get a grasp on and to implement. So, in terms of Cycle, I think Cycle.js is a nice, a nice resource to look up if you would like to learn a little bit more like about the theoretical background. But I think on Android or not web, we might go and implement this slightly different, but the overall idea is still there. And what I think what Art, um, Arthur tries to, to make the point before is like, yeah, MVI is more like on a presentation layer per se, but it makes total sense to introduce like state reducers or state machines or something like that to also have a application logic or business la layer or whatever you would like to call it also in a unidirectional data flow uh, sense, right? So let's dive into a little bit more comparison from your point of view um, about how to implement an MVI-ish architecture compared to probably what MVP or MVVM or whatever else is. Because I also know that uh, Arthur uses a MVVM architecture at work and probably most of our listeners are familiar with MVP. So can you try to, um, to explain us what's the major difference from your point of view there? So in a really simple way, for me, MVP is um, the view is pulling information from the presenter. MVVM is the presenter is pushing information to the view. And MVI is making it only one flow. You, like because, so even if you have an MVP and let's say you have, you um, I don't know, your database returns an observable, then you need to 
consume it somewhere, to subscribe to it somewhere. And in a MVP architecture, you would subscribe to it in your presenter, then you switch back to imperative coding, and then just um, wait for the view to pull the data or something like this. NVVM would be something similar, and for me, where MVI really makes a difference would be to have only one subscribe method for the entire screen. And so basically, the presenter would be just a pipe inside the flow um, of the data, and that, that's why we call a, a real uh, reactive architecture, because as long as the view doesn't subscribe to the whole stream, even if the presenter is uh, instantiated, no work should be done, and no work is done if it's correctly uh, implemented. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Art um, oh gosh, Arthur, um, I think we discussed if it's possible to implement uh, MVI architecture with a view model or with a presenter, and we came to the conclusion that both is possible. And I also have read a tweet from Benoit some time ago. We will add a other link into the show notes. That oh, let me let me just read read this. So Benoit says, where is it? We see more and more reactive architectures on Android, but I think you're doing it wrong if you have a subscribe in your presenter. Ideally, the presenter should be an observable transformer. What do you mean with that, Benoit? So it's basically the the same thing I was the same thing I was saying about. So we use RxEva because it's trendy, and uh, I don't know the community just embraced it. And I think we only use it for um, because it's easy to to switch between threads and to uh, model data with the all the operators provided with it. And I think. Like even one of the best thing about Rx was that you can uh, you could define your flow with many operators as long as uh, as many as you want, but as long as you don't subscribe, nothing is done. Even if you have a hot observable, only the like the very top upstream would emit something, but then the first operator would not do any work as long as it's not subscribed to. And so um, I would see. Like as I said, a lot of uh, subscribe in only one screen, meaning we would consume an observable, subscribe to it, like back to a synchronous world, back to an imperative coding, and then we would do uh, take a subject from somewhere and call uh, on next on it, and then pass it like switching between async world and sync synchronous world in a to me dangerous way. And so, as I said, a presenter should only be, like, for the whole picture, just one operator inside this flow. And at the end, the view would subscribe to it. And that would be a reactive architecture to me. Yeah, I might add a little bit on on this topic, but maybe a little bit more from the ideological perspective. So our IS team actually uses presenters as well. Uh, They have their own, like... Uh, I don't know how to name it even, uh, just not the architecture, but a set of, parent of, of patterns to interact with the user interface. And they call it a, they call it a presenter basically because it presents data from some sources to the end consumer. And the end consumer is just the user interface as it is. So basically it renders some things uh, and it emits some actions, but 
mostly it just presents data. So they name it presenters because it just presents data and uh, makes some adjustments. And like, uh, so yeah, I just totally agree with this uh, approach just to model this whole data stream as one single stream that just goes from the top and just goes to the bottom to the user interface. So it becomes like a single pipe uh, it just modifies, transforms data, and it looks just just beautiful as a concept. And in practice, it's just uh, really useful because you uh, can test it easily, of course, and you can control it, uh, modify it all the way, and at the same time, uh, just don't care about when the subscribe is called because ideally, it's just a single subscribe. Yeah, but if I remember correctly, Arthur, we discussed um, the advantages and disadvantages of MVVM over MVI. And if I remember correctly, you still are a fan of MVVM. Am I right? And can you elaborate on it? Why? I'm not, a, I'm not actually a fan. I'm just a little bit in the middle because I kind of would like to take MVI for a spin, but at work we use MVVM all the way. I and, see. Uh, and not the Google implementation, but our own implementation. Yeah. Um, by, based on Rx Java only and nothing like that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of see that, uh, actually we talked with Artem a little bit on this. So from his standpoint and from my standpoint, I just agreed on this. The MVVM is a logical conclusion of MVP and MVVI, MVI is a logical conclusion of MVVM. So huh. it basically streamlines, streamlines approaches from previous generations. So in terms like Eric's Java staging naming uh, or phases, it's like a third stage mm -hmm. in present presentation logic architectures. At mm -hmm. least it's, it, it's a theory we had. I see. And just to complete the picture, so in MVP, you would have something like, in your presenter, you would call something like view.showloading and then the progress bar will be shown. In MVVM, you would have something like uh, live data or uh, Rx Java observable in your case, where you expose a Boolean true or false, where the view then subscribes to the view model um, to update the progress bar visibility, right? Yeah, something like that. But basically, MVVM introduces this concept, this concept of signals and producers, like consumers and producers, maybe. It's a better naming for that. And it kind of streamlines a bit uh, the communication between them. Yeah. And in MVI, we basically make this thing atomic by exposing only either in the presenter one, uh, either in the presenter we call view.render and we expose an immutable state object so that the operations are um, atomic. And in MVVM, we do the same with view model. So in the MVVM-ish implementation of MVI, we expose uh, live data or Alex Java observable, um, which offers a state object, and then the view subscribed to it, right? So that's kind of the same. So we talked about these two um, things. How, Benoit, do you think is this related to your tweet, or am I completely wrong? Is that... Isn't that related also a little bit to your tweet? Because I was under the impression that you would prefer the MVVM-ish implementation of MVI uh, because then there's only one subscribe in the view layer. Am I right? 
Yes, that is. Because like if you have multiple subscribe, you would need to manage all those disposables. And I think the code gets messy because of it. Mm -hmm. I see. And so um, what you were saying, like uh, in the presenter could say, uh, would expose a Boolean observable and then the view would maybe um, show a loading screen or not. And even for um, simply pure MVVM, I think it would be better just to expose the state as it is because you, I don't know, you could always, you could always have concurrency problem and between, you know, conflicting events. So if your view has, I don't know, five fields that needs to be managed, just put, it, put them in a class and then send this one class to the view every time, even if you're only doing MVVM. Yep. So we are talking about like these concepts, MVVM and MVI. Uh, can we just roll back a little bit and maybe do you have any thoughts about Redux and Flux and how does it compare with MVI? Does it make sense to implement it on Android this way or another or is just the MVI is superior in any regard? I have no idea. Well, I can add a little bit on that. Um, so MVI is actually more related to Redux than to Flux because from my point of view, Flux is a little bit different in terms of there are multiple stores that exposes a state, kind of. And then there are dispatchers who are responsible to tell to which store which action should be applied. And we haven't talked about actions or intents yet, so probably that's what we should talk next. So we talked about the output of the, of the whole thing, which would be exposing a state, whatever in a view model-ish uh, style or in a presenter-ish style. Um, but we haven't talked about like the inputs yet. And that's probably the main difference or the thing where Redux and Flux comes in. So the idea of, of Flux is, as I said before, having multiple stores, dispatching action to whoever ever store is responsible and then reacting on those action and creating a new state. Redux is kind of similar, but doesn't have multiple stores, so to speak. And a store, uh, if you were wondering what a store means, a store is basically just a concept of having, I don't know, some data stored in it, but exposing only one kind of observable or whoever is interested in whatever the store's internals gets updated can observe this store. And Redux takes this idea a little bit, not a little bit to the next level in terms of not only having one single source, like one single store, but also applying some functional concepts. And I think here is also where Rx Java comes quite handy in because Redux as part of the web technology actually doesn't have too much deal with asynchronously uh, calls. But on Android or in um platforms where we have multi-threading and so on, I think RxJava makes total sense to use. So just for you listeners as a comparison where Redux, where um, Flux and where MVI belongs. But again, from my point of view, MVI is more like what you would say with MVP is on the pre presentation layer-ish. So to decouple the presentation layer from uh, your actual model. And then Redux, on the other hand, and state machines, what we're probably also going to talk uh, a little bit later, um, is more on the application layer. So I would say 
view layer, then presenter or view model, and then whatever we call model here, business logic, whatever. So that layer is probably where Redux belong. Um, anything to add here or let's continue, Benoit, maybe with talking about the inputs that I have talked before. So how do you deal with inputs? So at the very beginning, you said like you have multiple inputs, but you have only one output, which is the state, right? We covered already the output, the state. What about inputs? How do you, how do, yes. you do that? Or how do we connect the dots? So even for the inputs, think even for the inputs, I would just, um, from the view, I would um, like uh, expose only one observable when all the inputs would be merged into. So the presenter would, you know, would be just like I said, a pipe, uh, one entry point, one exit point, and that's it. And so basically from the view, uh, we would get just what we call, what we would call intent from the user, basically just what the user is doing. So it could be um, swipe refresh, clicking on a button, uh, swipe, you know, anything. And uh, at this very moment, we don't know yet what will be the the resulting side effect of it, uh, business logic wise. And so intent is only a UI wise action. I, I don't know, the, the word being was really bad anyway. So the user do, do something, click on button, but then you don't know what the, the click will result into. So inside the presenter or the view model, it doesn't matter. You would, I would translate this intent into an action. So it's basically, uh, the intent would be user clicks on a button and the action would be um, load next list kind of thing. And then from this action would be, uh, we would kick some business logic, get some result, and you know update the state and pass it back to the view. That would be the main difference for me between intent and actions. Okay, great. Uh, and uh, actually, I had a kind of complex question, but more uh, we discussed it with Hannes, but uh, not in public yet. Uh, do you uh, did you have any feeling just to introduce states for individual components? Uh, for example, if a screen consists of a text field, an input field, uh, and maybe does it make sense to introduce uh, these substates for text field and the input? Uh, so maybe it will be a little bit easier to decompose a, a huge state into multiple uh, mini ones, or it doesn't make sense from the realistic perspective? Um. If UI speaking, they are bind, I would put them into one class. I think it makes the test easier as you just need to need to, you just need to emit one event with the state. And even if you would need to support, uh, let's say, uh, screen rotations, if you have multiple streams, you need to sync all those data somehow. So even if you, if you're not emitting one state, you still need to store the state somewhere for all the fields to be synced together. So I would just put everything together and if it gets too big, maybe the UI is too complicated. So you could just split it in multiple components and then it might, it might make sense to just split it. But at the root, I think there would be only one state that you would then split into two substates kind of thing. That would be my approach. 
Yeah, uh, I was uh, imagining a little bit different situation where we uh, provide a view with a state, right? Like with, a, with this uh, mm -hmm. combination of uh, properties that view should apply. Uh, and I was thinking about com composing this state from multiple substates. So basically, we still provide a, a single object, but it just consists of uh, multiple small objects that in turn apply to widgets uh, like we would do with a view itself. So it makes uh, this whole structure a little bit like a fractal uh, because uh, each subcomponent follows the same rules as uh, the component of a higher level. Does it make sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you are basically aiming for reusable components like having a button in a, let's say, let's call it an MVI button, right? So we would like to have an MVI button or MVI checkbox and then having an MVI fragment that is composed by using an MVI button and the MVI checkbox or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so that's actually also one of the questions I asked myself because this is where the web kind of shines, either in CycleJS or in, uh, also in, in, Re in React from Facebook, yeah, not React uh, in terms of RxJava or RxJS, but React, the UI widget framework from Facebook, because there you can build those kind of reusable components. And yeah, I, I haven't made up my mind fully on this, to be honest, <laughs> but it would be lovely to have that in theory. And that's probably also uh, just one sentence worth to mention where, from my point of view, the, major, the main difference between uh, MVI implementation that has a view model or MVI implementation that has a presenter, so MVP-ish versus MVVM-ish implementation makes a difference because in MVVM, your view has a reference to the view model, right? In MVP, in the traditional MVP, uh, also your presenter has a reference to the, to the view, but also the other way around, so quite similar. But what if we could have a presenter that only has a reference to the view, but not the other way around? So why makes this uh, any difference, or what's the difference then to this fractional usable components? The difference is then in the view layer, you don't have to inject a different view model or different presenter if you would like to reuse that component. You know what I mean? So if the view only has a observable for the inputs events and the presenter subscribes to this uh, observable, which is a little bit a contradiction of what Benoit said before, only having one subscribe method. So I would argue if you would like to have reusable components, then probably your presenter can subscribe to the input events from the view interface and doesn't have any reference. So the, the view doesn't have any reference to the presenter anymore. And then the presenter also calls view.render or something like that with the state um, on it. So the, only the presenter knows about the view. And then it's easier to reuse that view component kind of uh, with different presenters. And then the next question is, who composes or who is responsible to know when to use which presenter or which, yeah, where to connect the view to the presenter if the view doesn't have any reference to the presenter, right? And that's what I usually do with using either activity callbacks listener or whatever they are called or fragment callbacks listener to hook into their lifecycle events and then 
connect the dots by kind of creating a presenter instance for that given component and connect it to the view. And you can do the same with, uh, what is it called? View hierarchy listener for view groups. Or I'm not sure if it's, ex if it's called exactly like that, but I, get you, but I think you get the point. So after having done that, I must say that I'm not sure if it's worthwhile to do that. And probably if you would just like to reuse the view layer, then maybe if it then maybe it just makes sense to create something like a my button UI widget where, where you can call set state on it. But then call don't subscribe. So this is not then the view layer directly in your MVI, but it's kind of used in the activity or in the fragment to just delegate or forward whatever the state or the partial state of your real state is. So then you can just reuse those UI widget as you would do nowadays with basically no uh, architectural pattern, <laughs> if that makes sense. If you just want to reuse UI widgets, then probably it's also just enough to create a custom view group or a custom class that, for instance, extends from button or extends from checkbox or whatever, and then just make setting the state on that custom UI widget atomic by just providing some single setter method like set state of the button or something like that. Does that make sense? Yes. So uh, there was something, uh, I'm sorry, there is one thing I remember. So we had a talk uh, at Square about having a way for the view to not know about the presenter and the presenter not mm -hmm. know about the view. Like we would have a, a main container that would inst uh, inflate the view, instantiate the presenter and just bind them together. Basically, taking the view's intents, passing them to the presenter, and taking the presenter states, pass it to the view. And then the container would get, would actually write the subscribe method, uh, mm -hmm. execution. So neither the view, neither the presenter have the subscribe. It's just one flow going from the view's input, presenter, view output, and then this. So um, even if you need to update something on the UI, like your widget, it would be a side effect at the end of the screen of the stream, and then the subscribe would be done inside the container. And so, uh, the good thing about one thing we wanted to tackle was uh, navigation, and so we would pass a reference of this container to the presenter, and then when navigation uh, needed to happen, the presenter would emit uh, would basically call the container method to do the navigation. And then the container would just dispose both and do its yep. stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's basically, well, not, not exactly what I'm talking about, but I see a lot of value in this one. Um, but I'm not sure then how to retain the subscription through screen orientation changes or something like that. What is your solution here? Uh, actually, at the moment, we don't support that, so I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. That's totally fine. <laughs> But since we have already spoken about navigation, and I think this concept that you were talking about is very also related to the Rx workflow, isn't it? Uh, that one of your coworkers yes. gave some talks about. Um, how do you deal then with navigation? So you said that there's a separate stream for navigation events, which is also then the container who knows how to move to the next state on a whenever a navigation event is emitted. Is that correct or am I wrong? Uh, so at the moment, it's still a um, thinking process about how would we model things in the future. 
it, nothing's implemented yet, but the idea would have um, when an event comes to the, the presenter, there is uh, the business logic that kicks in. And here, the navigation would be seen as a business logic, basically a side effect, and would call just container.goto. We would pass it a screen or, you know, a target screen. And then the container would just so synchronously dispose the current view, the current presenter, inflate the new view, instantiate the new presenter, bind them together and just show everything. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. So I have chosen a slightly different approach or take on, on uh, navigation, but I also think that what you were talking about makes a lot of sense. And what I tried is to put basically the coordinator pattern from iOS into the Android world. Um, but I think, Arthur, you also have tried this and how did it work for you? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? So we talked about the coordinator pattern in offline um, some time ago. And if it makes sense to do that on Android. And I was saying that I do some similar things for in-app navigation in my MVI-based apps. Um, what, is, what are your thoughts? Because you all also tried this. Do you have any experience with that? Actually, that leads to another topic uh, of composing components inside each other. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we don't actually use that. We use a slightly different approach, and it is completely bonkers if you think about it. So basically the thing is uh, that each next screen is uh, the direct uh, result of the previous screen. So basically the previous screen uh, creates the view this way or another, creates uh, the next view model, and it goes further and further like that. That actually uh, kind of a composable thing. Uh, and the benefit in that is that uh, you can control this workflow uh, inside the view model itself. So basically we don't have uh, a separate entity for that. Uh, but I think you gave uh, an excellent talk on the topic. So with the coordinators, does it make sense to compare it with the MVVIC from iOS world? Mm. Yes, I think it makes sense. And probably it's easier to add a link into the show notes rather than going too deep into coordinators. Uh, but yeah, if you aren't sure how to do navigation properly, then maybe that's also something at least you could take a look at. I'm not sure if it's the best solution, but maybe maybe at least worth to try to understand the main idea behind this and what it aims for. Cool. So... But, I'm sorry... So in your approach, does it mean that the view, um, like the view knows everything kind of thing? Um, what do you mean with view? Like if he needs to create the next view. Ah, right. So that's exactly what we try to avoid with this coordinator pattern kind of. Um, so. Uh-huh. Sorry. Oh, sorry for the interruption. What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, someone wanted to kick me out of the office. <laughs> Why? Uh, because she has to clean the office. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess right then. But yeah, now it's fine. Everything is cool. 
so, so it was like a lot of uh, I don't know not pleasant things in German I guess <laughs> no no it was okay and a nice lesson in German I think we should keep it in <laughs> of course let's split this episode into two parts otherwise it's going to be a very long episode so let's split it into two parts and stop the part one now and continue our discussion in part two